0: Well, amen. Good morning. Good, morning. Good morning. If you would, open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9 is turning there. Uh, Derek's already mentioned this morning, uh, there are some invitations on your, on your seats today, and, and uh, I trust that you'll grab those this morning and, and make sure that you pass those along to someone. Uh, I read a statistic years ago that just said that uh, most people during this time of season, if they're invited to church, they would actually come. And, uh, last night we were having dinner with the family in the church and, uh, the waitress that waited on us at the end of the meal. I said, Hey, I don't know if you, uh, go to church anywhere. And if you do, that's fine. But, uh, I'd certainly love to invite you to come to Southgate for our uh, Christmas Eve services. And I said, you know, if, if you don't enjoy it and the message is horrible and, and the people are rude, I'll never ask you to come back again, but I'd love for you to just try it out one time. And she kind of laughed and she goes, you know, this is kind of crazy, but uh, my boyfriend and I, we've been looking for a place to attend Christmas Eve services. And so, uh, amen. So that's a win. And then the other night I invited my neighbors who who come from time to time and they're going to be here. And so I just want to encourage you to do that. Um, I, I, I want to talk about Christmas this morning. I think so often we get, and I was just sitting here before I came to the platform this morning, just thinking about my schedule over the next several weeks, uh, all the Christmas parties and all the events and the family things that we need to do and, and uh, all that. Man, it, it gets overwhelming, right? And, uh, and yet we want to be reminded of why we actually even have the season, what, it, what it's really about. And I think Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 can kind of help sharpen our thinking on what we need to be about during the next month or so. And not really just this month, but just in life. And in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the prophet said, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be Uh, His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of his his peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You know, Christmas can either cause the Christmas blues, or it can cause a Christmas hangover. And the reason is, is because of our expectations. Maybe we don't get what we expect, or maybe uh, we have an idea, if you will. And Hallmark certainly, certainly doesn't help us with this, but maybe we have an idea of family. And instead of bringing us together, being around family actually sometimes can pull us apart. Maybe we, we get what we want. Maybe, maybe this year you're going to get that brand new Lexus in your driveway with the bow on top. Can I get an amen on that? Maybe that's this year. I don't know. Maybe you get that this year, but it doesn't fill belonging in your heart. It doesn't fix that void. The season should, should strengthen our faith, and it, it should cause us to worship. It, it should cause us to stand in awe of who God is and, and, and more so, as we wait, because Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago, amen? And now we as followers of Christ in this age, we, we wait, we long for, we anticipate with hope, we expect the soon return and the second advent or the second coming of Jesus Christ. But you know, if Christmas is not attached to a person, it's empty. It's empty. And we seek and the things that we seek and as we come to the end of the season, we say, man, that's it. That's what Christmas is really about. Isn't it funny when you have younger kids and you buy them Christmas gifts and instead of your kids actually playing with the gifts that you bought them, they play with the boxes, the stuff that you bought them came in? Because that's really what life is about is at the end of the day, we put our value, we, put our, we, 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 we seek satisfaction in things that Jesus said will never satisfy And so Christmas is a good thing, but it's not it. There's more that we seek, and we must get our mind on the substance of Christmas. We need to get our mind on the person. And you're already getting pounded by the message of what Christmas should be. And and I'm not here to to guilt or shame anyone. Last night we came home uh, from somewhere, and I told my wife, I was like, you know, we should go look at Christmas lights this year. You know, we should do that. Let's drive around and find Christmas lights and maybe go to Silver Dollar City and do that whole thing and, and, and enjoy that. Listen, I want to challenge you to tie in to what will not disappoint. I want to I want to challenge you to think about this Christmas season, what really matters so that you're not left wanting for more. We often struggle to wait. I know I do. Uh, Derek's right, man. Sometimes I'm standing in line, and I'm like, well, I could do this better than them. Like, come on, really? Why is it taking so long? Why can't you get my Egg McMuffin in like 60 seconds? Like, really? Like, come on. You know, we struggle to wait. And, and we don't just struggle to wait with people, but we struggle to wait in life. I mean, when you think about life, man, life is super complicated and it's very uncertain. And a lot of times we get thrown a curveball. How many of you know what I mean? Say amen. 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 And, and oftentimes when things aren't the way that we think they should be, we struggle because we want relief or we want resolution. We want satisfaction. We want, we want this thing to come to an end. And oftentimes we struggle because it does seem at times in life in certain situations I don't know about you, but aren't there seasons where it just doesn't feel like there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel? Right? And so what God does is in our life is he calls us to wait. He calls us to wait because it's in the waiting that we learn. It's in the waiting that we grow. It's in the waiting where our faith and our, our hope is strengthened in the God of heaven. And yet we struggle to wait. And we miss out on the powerful, transforming truth that God has for those who wait for him and those who trust Him. And while life is messy and difficult, at times we look to so many other things for hope. And the last thing we want to do is we want to wait. We want to fix, and we want to repair, and we want want resolution. And yet God calls us to wait. We can have hope this morning in our waiting. And I want you to notice this. We're going to have hope this morning in our waiting because of what this passage teaches us. And that is this, and we're going to break this passage down over the next several weeks. But we can wait, and we can wait with, uh, with hope because we have a wonderful counselor. Can I get an amen on that today? Amen? So our wonderful counselor gives us hope while we wait, and that's the big idea today. Now again, we're going to take this text over the next four weeks and we're going to unpack it. And we're going to try to understand its context. We're going to try to understand the history and, and why Isaiah was writing this passage of Scripture to this particular audience at this time. But Isaiah ministered during the reign of four different kings and he ministered during the time when the nation of Israel was divided into the northern and southern kingdoms. They were under bondage by another country and, it, and the major thrust of ministry was to Judah, the southern kingdom. But Isaiah, in writing this passage and in writing the entire book of Isaiah, in reality, his, 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 uh, his desire and his calling and what the Holy Spirit wanted to do in this text was this. He wanted to give the people of God hope. He wanted them to have hope. And I I think the reason that many of us today are frustrated and lonely and discouraged and depressed and even anxious is because we've lost our hope. And the reason is, is that we put our hope in so many other things. We put them in gifts. We put them in careers. We put them in academics. We put our hope in relationships. We put our hope in almost anything other than what God has called us to put our hope in, and that is Jesus Christ. And so he gave God's people hope. He gave them something worth waiting for, something worth trusting in. And he describes God in a way that causes us to live by faith, even when it's messy, even when it's uncertain, even in our darkest day. Isaiah gives us hope in this passage of scripture. And he begins to talk to you and me about this wonderful counselor that is coming who will be the redeemer of our sins, who will be the savior of the world, who will make life worth living for. But I want to, before we get in the message this morning, I want to explain to you, because sometimes we read words in the Bible and we don't always know what they mean and we certainly don't understand the fullness of their meaning. And so this morning, he says in this passage of scripture, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, and on the, gov- and, and, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And listen to this, in his name... His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Now, what is the meaning of the word wonderful? Well, it means this. It means unusual. It means unusual. And in Isaiah chapter 25 and verse 1, I believe that'll be a, a scripture that will, will be popped up there on the screen here in just a moment. If you can give that passage to me, that'd be great. Thank you, Derek. Listen, Isaiah 25, 11 says this, and he will spread out his hands in the midst. Uh, that's not the right passage, and we're going to edit that. Um, anyways, that passage talks about how wonderful God is. In fact, let's just go ahead and turn there this morning, all right? And that's probably a typo on my part, Derek, and media team, so please forgive me for that. Isaiah chapter 25 and verse 1. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful and sure. And so the meaning of the word wonderful actually means unusual. Now, isn't this good to remember at this time of year, right after Thanksgiving, to think about God's goodness? Think about all the wonderful things that God has done. Amen? God has done some pretty wonderful things. He's worked wonders. The way the Lord works is so unusual. It captures our attention. It delights our hearts. He's, He's not predictable. And listen to this. God is not mundane. Amen? God is anything but mundane. He's unusual. But then He's also extraordinary. And in Psalm 77, verse 11 through 15, we see in that text that God is extraordinary. And sometimes we use a word like wonderful and so often it loses its meaning. But in scripture, you get a sense of one of God's children standing there with eyes wide and mouth open saying, look at what God is. Look at what God has done. So when we say wonderful counselor, we're saying, man, God is unusual. God is un- uh, extraordinary, but he's also unique. And we see that in Exodus 15, 11, And it says, it talks about in that passage, the uniqueness of God. Do you know there is no one and there is nothing that compares to the God of heaven? There's no one like him. He's unique in every way. He's not something created. He's not something thought up. He is the God of the universe. He's our wonderful counselor, and he is unique, and he is unexpected in every single way. When the Bible talks about someone or something being wonderful, it's directing our minds to thoughts of being unusual, extraordinary, or unique. And for you and me this morning, it should cause us to respond with wonder. And I imagine we're all challenged. And listen, we are. We're challenged not to lose the wonder of God and Christ during the season. Because often it's lost in all the different things that we get involved in. And so this morning I want to do this. The text gives us three reasons that we have a wonderful Savior worth waiting for. And it begins with, he's wonderful because of his completeness. It's wonderful because of his completeness. Please think with me about the first half of this verse. It says, A child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. Now what's the emphasis here? What's the point that Isaiah is trying to make to you and me this morning? What he's trying to do here is explain to us that we have the complete package. This is a gift that has it all. And that's what makes him wonderful. Let's break this down. It says in the text, A child who will be born. You know this that Jesus is the Son of Man? He's the Son of Man, and that emphasizes his humanity. Now that goes along with another Christmas verse, two chapters earlier in the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter seven verse 14, it says, "Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and we will call His name Emmanuel. Somehow, God had to become a man. But it has to occur without the normal process of procreation. So there's no question of the transition of sin to Christ because our God was impeccable. He could not sin in any way. It wasn't a thing that he was tested and then he didn't sin and then he became God. No, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, stepped outside of the Trinity and he said, you know what, look, I'm going to go to earth and I'm going to save my people from their sin and I'm going to live a perfect life because they can't do it and I'm going to do it for them and I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to pay for their sins. A son will be given, or a child will be born. How in the world is this going to happen? The answer is the virgin birth. There's something unusual, extraordinary, and unique. There's never, ever been a virgin birth until Jesus. And the real point, what that means is, if that can occur, that we have a God with us, and that God, as we sang this morning, is Emmanuel. And in John 1.14, we learn, and the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us, and we've seen His glory, the glory of the as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So he says, a child will be born. Then he says, a son will be given. A son will be given. Jesus is also not just the son of man, he's also the son of God. And it's interesting in the text that this time the word born is not repeated. You know why? The word born is not repeated in this passage at this point because the emphasis there, as I said a moment ago, is on his preexistence. God is and was and always will be. Jesus is and was and always will be. He was there at eternity past. He's here now, and he's coming again. And then there's going to be a king, it says in the text, who will rule well. The Bible says the government will be on his shoulders. And we're going to unpack this in so many ways in the coming weeks, but listen to this. And I'm going to get, real quick, if you'll hang with me just for about two minutes, we're going to dig into this a little bit doctrinally. Can we do that for just a minute? Say amen. amen. Because there's some truth here. That will give us hope. We believe this will ultimately be fulfilled. A king who will rule well. The government will be on his shoulders. We believe that this will ultimately be fulfilled when Christ returns to the earth after a seven-year tribulation. And some of some of you here today, you may not be—you may be new to the church, new to the faith—and you're like, "Man, what is this tribulation thing?" And, 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 and then there's going to be a millennium kingdom, and so there's going to be a thousand years of, of peace on earth where, where Jesus Christ rules and reigns on this earth, and he's ruling and leading from the throne of David, and ultimately what we find is that these truths are unpacked for us in the book of Revelation. Now, that's what Revelation is about. The prophecies in the Old Testament yet to be fulfilled. That's why you and me, we are waiting for the second advent or the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, for every one of us in this age, in this season of life, in this season of of, of God's economy, for everyone who has chose to trust Christ as Savior and Lord, those kingdom conditions are to be lived out in one's heart and life and in the church. Now, you put all this together. You think about this for a minute. He's the a child will be born, a son will be given, a king who will rule well. You put all this together. What does it all mean? You have this prophecy about a, mess, a Messiah who will possess the attributes of humanity, of deity, and lordship. Here's what we have: we have a God who is personal. You know why? Because the Bible says a child will be born. We have a we have one who is perfect. A son will be given. And we have one, can I get an amen on this, who's powerful, amen? Because the government shall rest on his shoulders, amen? amen. It's our God. So what hope we, we have. Now I realize many of you might say, man, Pastor J is pretty heavy doctrinally. Well, here's why this time of year where all the activity and the busyness and maybe even the sentimentality that's finding in its place, it takes away from what's truly wonderful about the gift of Jesus Christ. Because all the other stuff that we do, the Christmas lights, the decorations, the presents, the food, the cookies, uh, the family time together, the celebrations, all of that's good until about December 28th. Can I get an amen on that, right? Now, in Chicago, it was even worse, man. Because I knew January 2nd was coming, and after that, it was like purgatory until like May, right? Because it's just cold there, right? Dark and dreary. But the wonder of all of this that we're talking about this morning, the theological aspects of the gift, last farther than the celebrations. They last longer and they resonate with us and they give us hope and they strengthen our faith and they motivate us to live for God, not just in the month of December, but throughout the entire year. So, can I ask you for a moment? And can I ask you to reflect on how wonderful it is that God has given us a Savior that's complete? Because think about it this way. We needed someone who was personal, so a child was born. We needed someone who could pay for sin, so a son was given. And we need someone who could lead our lives, and so a ruler was provided. And so we see this morning that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is a wonderful counselor because of his completeness. But then we see he's wonderful because of his counsel. 700 years before the birth of Christ, God wanted us to know that one of the greatest attributes of this great gift that he was giving us was that his words, his counsel, would be wonderful. And how wonderful his counsel is for us. And it's wonderful because of this, in that his words are so often unexpected. It's so often unexpected. How many times have you found yourself studying the life of Christ and the words of Christ and thought, man, I would have never expected Jesus to say that. How many of you would say that, right? You're just reading through the Bible and you see Jesus say something, you see him do something, and you're like, huh, I wouldn't have expected that. Let's take something as simple as John three sixteen. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, for you and me, we, many of us sitting in this room today, we understand that Christ came to this world to die on a cross to pay for our sins and to pay for a debt that we could not pay. But for many, especially those who are outside of the family of God, those outside of uh, understanding what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, would think, you know, in order, me for, for, in order for me to get in, to, to get into eternity, to get into heaven, i got to do some good stuff. I gotta earn or merit God's grace. I gotta earn or merit God's favor. I need to earn His mercy, and, and we find this even in the Christmas season. Several years ago, uh, my wife and I, when we lived in Chicago, uh, you know, we would get presents from people. People would just give us stuff, you know, maybe because I'm pastor, or, or or even better, we'd get stuff from her family, and and she's got a very large family, and she's like, well, you know, if they give us something, we gotta what? We gotta give them something, and I said. I mean, I I get why you say that, but it's not a gift if I'm just giving them something back because they gave me something. But isn't that how our mind works, right? Because we feel like, oh, they did for us, now i got to do for them, and that's how we think about God. And yet, the words of Christ, the gospel message is so unexpected because Christ says, no, I'm giving you this gift, and it doesn't cost you a thing. I just want you to follow me. That's so unexpected. We would have expected the, osp- the, the opposite. Let me ask you this. Do you want a God who's telling you things that you would have already expected? Or do you want a God who's spri- surprising you at every turn? Being given a wonderful counselor means we're going to read things in his word that often surprise us and challenge our thinking. In fact, this is, this is in this case, it provides a blessing. Now think about it this way. Many of you are gonna share a message that is wonderful. We've we've put out these invitations for you, and we want you to share the message of the gospel. We want you to invite people to come to Southgate during the holidays, not just for the candlelight services, but for every service, because every week we're gonna talk about how wonderful Jesus Christ really is. But we get to share a message that's wonderful. A number of you are gonna be serving in the Christmas services, and I just want to I want our our greeters and our volunteers and our our musicians and our, our singers and all those that are involved. I just want to upfront say thank you for serving in that way. Thank you for all those that helped us with putting up the Christmas decorations. Thanks for those that are going to serve in kids ministry this month because you're giving up a part or a piece of your life so that others can know about the wonderful gift that is Jesus Christ. A number of you are going to serve in that service. A number of you are going to invite folks to the candlelight service. Why are you doing that? Why are you giving up time with your family? Why are you going to come to rehearsals? Why are you going to serve in a certain capacity? Why do we do that? Because you want to proclaim the news that is wonderful and his name is Jesus. And so we see that that he's wonderful because of his counsel in that his words are often unexpected, but also wonderful in in that his words are worth remembering. Now, whenever you see the word wonderful in the Bible, there's this emphasis on consciously choosing to remember it. The more you consider something to be wonderful, the more likely you are to commit it to memory. In in Psalm 77, 11, it says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I've been saying this for, for two years now. I want to keep pressing this into our hearts. But as followers of Jesus Christ in an uncertain, messy, difficult world, you and I must have something that we can anchor our hearts and lives to. And that is the word of God. The unchanging truth that we can govern our life by, that we, can, that we can hang our hat on, is the Word of God. And I want to challenge you to remember the Word of God. I want to challenge you to know the Word of God. I hope you would say that you would work harder at memorizing the words of Christ, the words of Scripture, more than any other document, because you consider the message of the Gospel and the message of the Bible wonderful. You see, we find this morning that we have this wonderful counselor because he's the complete package. He's the complete gift. We also understand that he's the wonderful counselor because his his words are worth remembering. But then lastly this morning, we realize that we have a wonderful counselor because of his ability to change people, to transform lives. This prophecy was given to help God's people live in anticipation of what a great gift the, the Heavenly Father would be giving. You see, we live on the other side of that prophecy. We know, we we live on the other side of the cross. We know what Christ has done. We know about the virgin birth. But think about the impact that Jesus can have on my life, on your life. Think about the impact, just for a moment, if you will, that Jesus can have on the lives of those that you might invite to a Christmas service or to a service here at Southgate. Think about the impact, just for a minute, if you will, that he could have on someone's life, if they were introduced to Jesus Christ, the wonderful counselor. The reason that Jesus is wonderful in his ability to change people, uh, change people is because of his ability to draw people to himself. I love this about the word of God. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus said, come to me. He invites us in. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. This morning, I just want to remind you, and I, I've often found myself in this moment, but if you're lost... And not just lost in your sin and lost in your relationship with God, but just you're lost. Just kind of wandering around in life. If you're lost, you're confused, maybe you're here this morning and you're just weary. You know life gets weary sometimes? Life can be a struggle. What Jesus is saying here is, look, I'm here for you. And I want to invite you into something that will transform you, that will encourage you that will strengthen you listen jesus says i want to invite you into something that's going to sustain you it's going to sustain you and for some today that's exactly what the wonderful counselor would say to you he draws us to himself but then he also fills our hearts with hope in second corinthians 12 9 but he said to me paul had a struggle the apostle paul planted churches in the new testament wrote most of the New Testament that we read today, he says, listen, my grace, Jesus said this to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is, uh, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ would rest upon me. Man, aren't you thankful today for God's grace? And a lot of times we, we, we kind of just, again, it's one of those words that we just kind of glaze over, like, oh, I'm thankful for God's grace. But grace is the ability of God given to us by God to do His will. And there are so many things that we're we're doing, being a husband, being a pastor, being a a spouse, being a student, being a sibling. All the the responsibilities and all the roles that we fill sometimes feel so overwhelming. And we just feel like I'm spinning a plate here, and I'm spinning a plate here, and I'm trying to spin one here, and I'm just trying to keep my head above water and keep my breath. And Jesus says, look, man, I want to invite you in. Uh, life is hard. Sin is rough. It'll steal from you the things in life that are most important, most valuable, and most satisfying. And yet I want to invite you in when you're, when, you're, when you're weighed down by sin, when you're weighed down by shame, when you're weighed down by guilt. When life is too hard and life is too heavy, I'm inviting you in so I can strengthen and sustain you. And when I do that, not only... Not only will I draw you to myself, but I'm going to fill your heart with hope. I'm going to give you grace so that you can not just survive, but that you can thrive in this life and be prepared for the life to come. That's our wonderful counselor. And then the last one is this, is the cause to a sacrificial and purposeful life. Matthew 16, 24, the Bible says that Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I feel like a lot of folks in this world wander around aimlessly just doing stuff. And I'm guilty of this, too, and I'm in ministry. But oftentimes we walk through life without purpose. And we think that, okay, school, career, family, all these different things. Yes, there is purpose in those things. There is calling in those things. But so often we allow them to replace what our true calling is, and that is to follow Jesus Christ. You and me and every single one of us in here today have been called by God simultaneously the moment that we were saved to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ. We do that here at church, we do that in our families, we do that in our marriages, we do that in our neighborhoods, we do that in our Bible studies, we do that on college campuses, we do that in our high schools. Hey man, we do that with Good News Bible Club. We are here to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ where we live, work, and play. And so Jesus, our wonderful counselor, gives us purpose in this life. There's a family in our church, and my heart's a little bit full today because I'm looking around at some of our older saints. And I look at some of the folks in this room and some of you have accomplished incredible things with your life we have we have business owners in here we have doctors in this room we have former teachers and super school uh, uh, school superintendents we have accomplished people in this room we have folks that are engineers we have uh, entrepreneurs and I can just go across the board with some of the folks in this room that have just amazing accomplishments in the life that they have lived. Several years ago, I buried a woman in our church. And when I did her funeral, a few weeks before her funeral, she handed me a letter. And in that letter, it was from a young woman that she had taught in Awana clubs when that uh, woman was a child. And she penned a letter to her telling her that her entire life, had been transformed and changed simply because this woman decided to be obedient to God in making and multiplying disciples of Jesus Christ by teaching Awana to little kids. And here's what I'm saying to you this morning. Some of you in this, in this room, you are, from a worldly perspective, incredibly successful You have the accolades. You have money in the checking account. You you have probably little want in life. In fact, when you walk into certain places here in town, people know you and they they give you the, hey, what's up? It's kind of like that old show, and please forgive me, uh, it's not as bad as anything on TV nowadays, but cheers. When Norm would walk in and everybody would be like, Norm, you know? When you walk into places, people know who you are. But does that stuff really matter? When it's all said and done, Does it matter? Because I think what really matters when our life is through is how many lives did we actually touch for the cause of Christ and for the advancement of the kingdom. Now, not every single person in this room is going to be called to full-time vocational ministry, but every single one of us that have accepted an invitation to be a follower of Jesus Christ has been called to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ. And He is our wonderful counselor. And so here's what I would say. If I didn't believe this stuff... If I didn't really believe that Jesus had the ability to change and transform the lives of people, I'd say, let's close up shop and let's go play a round of golf. And here we can't do that right now because it's super cold outside, amen? And in Chicago, we had these golf domes where people would go in the winter and they would go inside and hit golf balls all winter long because it was too cold to go outside until, you know, May or June, right? But, but if, if this stuff wasn't real, we should just leave today, have a lunch, and never come back again. But the reality is, is that you and me, we have the ability to introduce people to the wonderful counselor that is Jesus Christ. We have the ability to see their lives change. And not only that, but we have the ability to see our own life changed. We have the ability to see our own faith strengthened. This morning, some of you are really struggling with darkness in your life. Some of you are struggling with sin. Some of you are struggling with depression and anxiety. Some of you are just wondering, what am I going to do with my life? Others are wondering, man, is this what life is really all about? Some of you have hit the corporate and, and career ladder, and you're like, man, is this it? Is this it? Is this my purpose in life? And if your life isn't attached to something wonderful, something unusual, something extraordinary, something that, that, that is worth laying your life down for, you're going to have a very boring, mundane life and you're going to miss out on the wonderful life that Jesus Christ wants to invite all of us into this morning. So here's the message. When life is dark and difficult, And it is sometimes. Sometimes life is just hard. But when it's dark and difficult, I want you to know this morning that we have a wonderful Savior, and His name is Jesus. We have a God that's wonderful, and He's working in so many ways to deliver us. And one day He'll come again. And the text reminds us that He's, listen to this, the text tells us, Jesus Christ, this wonderful counselor, He's worth the wait. It reminds us that He will guide us till He comes. It reminds us that He is worthy. He's magnificent in every way, and we can worship Him and know that He is here. I'm not sure what you're facing today, but here's what I know. I don't know what you're facing today. Some of you got some pretty heavy stuff going on in your life right now, but I know this. If you know Christ, the wonderful counselor, you're not alone. Amen? You're not alone. And when you're discouraged, depressed, lost, you lack purpose... We have a wonderful counselor and he's wonderful and that we can turn to him when life is hard. We can turn to him when we struggle. We can turn to him when we fail. Please know this morning that God is real and wonderful in every way. And he'll do the extraordinary and unusual to reveal himself to you when you need him most. I've every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. How many of you would say to me this morning, Pastor Jason, I know for certain that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I know that I've been forgiven of my sins. I know I'm right with God. And I know that heaven is my home. Would you lift your hand and let me just see that as a way of testimony this morning? I know for certain that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you this morning would just say, Pastor Jason, I'm uncertain that, that I'm right with God. I don't know for sure that I'm, I'm a follower of Christ. I don't know that I'm right with God. Or if I were to slip out into eternity today, I don't know that heaven is my home. Would you lift your hand and let me pray for you this morning? Is there anyone that's like that that's here today? Amen. How many of you would say to me this morning, Pastor, I'm struggling with a little bit of hope in this season. For whatever reason, maybe it's the loss of a job, loss of a loved one, maybe it's a, a relational struggle. I don't know, but how many of you say, man, I'm really just struggling to wait and have hope in God. Would you lift your hand and just let me pray with you and over you this morning? Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Amen. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you just stand to your feet this morning? Father in heaven, many of us, we struggle to wait. We struggle to have hope. And hope is nothing more than faith on our tiptoes. And God, I just pray this morning that we, we as, as followers of Christ, would really place our hope in you, the wonderful counselor. God, I pray this morning that we would put our trust in you, not in ourselves, not in our ability to fix things, not our ability to change things, but God in you. Would you please, Lord, help us to trust in you and wait on you in this season. And We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And this morning, I want to encourage you to come and worship in awe of the one who is unique, the one who is extraordinary, the one who is worth waiting for. And maybe God's spoken to your heart and life today. And if he has, I want to encourage you to come out as Derek and our worship team sings this morning.